the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. 5, Tuesday, October the 11th, the day after the Columbus Day holiday, where uh, I hope you guys enjoyed a little best of last night of uh, Bill O'Reilly and the mayor of the city of New York. Coincidentally, I was with both of them yesterday, uh, one for a happy occasion and one for a very sad occasion. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Angela Lansbury, Broadway icon and Murder, She Wrote star, dead at 96 years old. Now, the reason why this uh, affects me is um, she was just five days shy of her 97th birthday. In, uh, I don't know, five weeks, something like that, six weeks, Ariana, my daughter, is going to be a year old. So I'm I'm shooting for this, like, 96, 97 thing. To be in good health, I don't know what kind of shape uh, Miss Lansbury was in. My friend Judge uh, Danny Lodato is 97, and he's in great shape. His eyes are a little shot, but... So he's not driving, but otherwise he's sharp as a tack. Because uh, then I I could see like Ariana get into her forties, and that's a real goal for me. But Angela Lansbury was um, she, you know, it's a household name. Uh, she has really conquered it all in terms of movies, television, and Broadway. Uh, it's so funny because I think of her as the teapot in uh, Beauty and the Beast. But of course, Murder She Wrote was an unbelievable TV series. Here in uh, here in the United States of America, and I believe it went abroad as well. So rest in peace, Angela Lansbury. Um, I know you guys listened to uh, John Katzimatidi's show last night after the happy occasion where I saw the mayor of the city of New York at the Columbus Day Parade, which we could speak about uh, a little later on in the show and what that's all about and the Columbus controversy, et cetera, et cetera, which is quite ridiculous. But there's a couple of federal judges who are acting upon it to some degree. We'll talk about that afterwards. But I, the, the mayor was great. Uh, he was he he was so nice to my mom and my dad, uh, as was Mayor Giuliani. Came off the float when he saw my father. Moved the the police fences uh, to go sit with my dad and chat with him for a while. They know each other for quite some time. And then I saw Bill O'Reilly last night uh, at the uh, Bernard McGurk Wake, which was uh, very well attended and um, very sad. Uh, because Bernard McGurk was a really very nice man, very educated man, uh, very knowledgeable man, and he just left us way too young. Uh, there was a long line to approach the uh, the coffin, and uh, 
um, Brian Kilmeade was with me, and, and I got to at least chit-chat with him and talk about the, the good old days at Fox News. And uh, he caught me up on some stuff as well. But um, it was a, kind of a scene out of uh, maybe like Curb Your Enthusiasm. There were a couple of Bernard's friends who were regular guys from uh, Long Beach, and we were maybe like three or four people from approaching Bernard's coffin and his his wife Carol and his children, and the priest came in to start saying some prayers, and so we got cut off. We got cut off and was like, "Are we gonna have to go back and wait?" I mean, I waited like an hour to approach the the coffin and say my goodbyes. I said, "We gonna have to like it." it you could just see something out of uh, Larry David getting all freaked out because you wait for an hour and then you you, you get cut off on the line. But uh, the priest was excellent. Bernard's father was there. I believe. Oh, he just turned 90 years old. And um, we said our goodbyes. I spent a lot of time with Sid Rosenberg as well. And I did spend a lot of time with Bill O'Reilly because we were online together for a while. Um, So, Mr. McGurk, rest in peace. You were a, uh, yeah, you helped a a lot of people in the morning for many, many years get up and get out for work. And in your capacity is. We're working with Imus in your capacity, more recently working with Sid. Um, and uh, your family's in good shape. They were great yesterday. I know your funeral was today. You have a grandkid coming in February. And as I told your son, uh, you know, now you know your grandchild is going to have a guardian angel for the rest of her life. Um, in other not great news, uh, well, the mayor stood in, in, in Times Square. Today it is Times Square Tuesday. And uh, he said, listen. There's no guns in here. Unless you're a cop or you have some other special circumstances, like I guess a peace officer, like a court officer or a correction officer, you're allowed to carry a weapon. You know, but if you, you're from Rochester and you got a, a gun license uh, and you're a civilian, you can't stroll into Times Square. Now, it looks like that's going to fly in the face of court rulings that are going to come down the line regarding um, the gun case that was uh, penned by Justice Clarence Thomas. But um, for now, uh, Eric Adams is is digging in on this uh, on his, and we spoke about it on the show last Thursday. There's going to be no guns at, at least in Times Square. But you know, we have big problems. I mean, I'm looking at right now the Daily News: Brooklyn public school staffer randomly shot in head steps from school. I mean, that's just horrific. Then um, there's another young lady who uh for like for no reason seems to be uh here aspiring teen dancer fatally shot in apparent accident while hanging with friends in Brooklyn building loved by so many why is there the gun there like look i i know a lot of my buddies are into the whole gun thing and and carrying the guns and and go oh, if you go to the if you go to the range and you're you're trained and and I understand in a best case scenario that may be true but there's too many people who are out there with guns who are just not responsible enough to have one I don't know if this was accurate but I did see a commercial this weekend that said accidental gun discharges are now the leading cause of death amongst children I thought it was car accidents um but that's something that we need to look into um you know i grew up in a household with my dad and he and he just did it with my my son his grandson arthur i think it was this summer it could have been last summer (laughs) time goes by where this little either four or five year old boy was pointing a water gun at him 
And my dad just starts yelling at him. Like, you don't point a gun at anyone. You don't point a gun at anyone. That's my father's training from being in the Army in the 1960s. But that's been in, ingrained in my head. Like, you don't point a gun at anyone. You don't point a gun at anyone. Even a water gun. Like, it's just, you just don't do it. And, uh, you know, part of the law that the, the judge struck down, the federal judge in upstate New York, uh, was that, you know, you have to give someone's permission to enter your home with their weapon. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not talking now as a lawyer, I'm talking as a father. Um, I love that part of the law. I may not want my buddy Derek, who, you know, carries a weapon uh, or could carry a weapon if he chooses to because he has the proper licensing. I may not want him in my house with that sidearm um, with my five-year-old around because I don't know. I don't know what could happen. He could go to the bathroom and I've handled cases folks where guys have legal guns. Then they go to weddings and they're wearing them. They, 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 they fall out onto the dance floor and someone else picks them up. I mean, that's a real case that I had here in Manhattan um, where guys dancing on the dance floor. And, and again, it didn't discharge and nobody got hurt, but you would think that somebody would be smart enough to, uh, secure their weapon that it's not falling out on the dance floor obviously we have major crime issues here in new york city um they're comparatively speaking and we could do a whole show on this um and i would love i'm going to post it on my facebook page to show the differences in 1998 the height of the giuliani administration what robbery numbers looked like what larceny numbers looked like what murder look, numbers look like compared to the end of last year. They're much better now than they were. People, I asked Sid uh, yesterday at the parade, when do you think New York was safer? Because Rudy was right there. Under Rudy or under de Blasio? Because under Rudy, of course, it's not even close. Statistically speaking, according to the NYPD, I have to base my comments on their statistics. That's just not true. It's just not true. Crime, there are a lot lower occurrences of crimes in 2021 than in 1998. Now, they're higher in 2021 than they were in 2017, 2018. But um, they, I don't think that civilians walking around with guns in New York uh, is the way to go. People say, well, what about Florida? They don't have any issues like that in Florida. Florida also doesn't have Times Square. They also don't have Grand Central. They also don't have Union Square. Why did New York City get hit so hard with the coronavirus when it first came out? Because we live on top of each other. Florida doesn't have high rises that go up a hundred stories where people live, wherever the tallest high rise, maybe it's not a hundred, but it's 75 stories where people are all on top of each other. Eric Adams said on the show Thursday, if there were 300,000 people on an average night in Times Square and some jerk discharges his weapon and you have a thousand law-abiding gun carrying citizens they pull out their guns who are they going to shoot do they even know do you know what the likelihood or the percentages of a trained police officer hitting his or her target i believe it's it's under 40 percent and they're going for constant training and they're they're hitting their target under 40 percent what do you think? What do you think? An accountant, a lawyer, a, a Con Edison worker who's carrying a gun. What do you think their percentages of, of, of firing off a shot in the middle of Times Square of hitting the person who they're supposed to hit? So, yes, there are a lot of issues. Uh, you know, people say uh, a, a, Adams isn't focused enough about crime. Today's in Times Square talking about crime. Um, you know, as, as, 
he's got all these migrants. Another two thousand came in this weekend. You know, he's dealing with that as well now. I'm going to go to his to his house uh, after the show, and uh, uh, you know, we'll talk. We'll see what's going on. Do I think it's wrong for him to spend an hour celebrating Italian American heritage? No. I, I don't think he's really taking a lot away from the city. Guy's been up since 5 o'clock this morning working. Um, I know everyone says I'm covering for him. But as he said uh, both times now on the show, he's the pilot of the ship. I'm not looking for the I'm, he's, I'm sorry, the pilot of the plane. I'm not looking for him to crash. The last thing I said to him yesterday was, Eric, I got your back. Whatever you need as a lawyer, as a friend, as a radio guy, just let me know how I can help the city. And maybe if more people had that attitude... What can I do to help the city? The city would be a better place. Wasn't it that that, that really good-looking young president who said, ask not? You know that. You know what quote I'm about to say? Right. You know what I'm about to say with JFK. Not what your country could do for you. What could you do for your country? Do the same thing for the city. What could you do to make the city better? We're going to talk about some positive stuff about Times Square when we come back on Times Square Tuesday here at the Author Idola Power Hour. So I know it's hard to believe, but the holidays will be here before we know it. Why not make them truly memorable this year on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises? Captain Fred and the amazing New York Cruises staff go above and beyond with every detail. Whether you've been put in charge of planning the office Christmas party or are looking to do something exciting for New Year's Eve, why not take the party off land and onto the sea? It's the best place for a 360-degree view of the New Year's Eve fireworks. Speaking of New Year's, I can't think of a better place to pop the question to that special someone in your life than on the Atlantis. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events, weddings, engagement and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, you name it. So just call 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today or visit NewYorkCruises.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Let's talk about our friends at Connors & Sullivan. If you live in New York, you have to heed this deadline. If your loved one needs home care benefits, the law governing home care benefits in New York is scheduled to change on January the 1st, 2023. This is important enough to repeat. Listen carefully. If your loved one needs home care benefits, the law governing home care benefits in New York is scheduled to change January 1st, 2023. All 2023 financial transactions 30 months prior to application for benefits will be scrutinized and subject to penalty periods, including gifts to family members. 
Financial transfers must be made and benefits applications must be submitted before December 31st to ensure eligibility and protect your assets. The time to plan is now. Connors and Sullivan attorneys at law are experts in this area and can help you get in under the deadline, but you must start the process as soon as possible before the start of December to complete the application by the end of the year. So call Connors and Sullivan today. Don't delay at 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Body of San Bernardino, but like, where is this from? This is one of his early hits, man. Really? New York City. But this is not a Beatles tune. This is just a Lennon tune. Correct. All right. Now, I can't say that this has been like a big hit, though. I mean, you know, it's not. I felt it it was fitting for the topic we're about to discuss. No, no, listen, I think think it's very fitting. What I'm questioning you about, Mr. DJ San Bernardino. Is why do you think it hasn't become more of an iconic, you know, New York City song? Does it just not have the hook? Because there's way too needs? many uh, New York City songs, but I think it should be up there, definitely up there. So, uh, uh, you think on the Power Hour we should be pushing the Lennon version? Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. What about Empire State of Mind? Where do you put that in the? That, uh, that's the in there thing? too. I mean, I would say definitely top five. All right, well, now you just dug yourself a hole, Sam Bellino. What are you going with the top five? Before we go to the vice president of arts and culture for the Times Square Alliance, we have Matthew Sambolin on the line. He is a renowned DJ, and he's about to tell the listeners to the Idola Power Hour the top five New York City songs. Take it away, Mr. Well, Sam. number one would definitely have to be New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. That, has, that should just be number one on everyone's list. All right, we got that. Go ahead. Uh, we have to also put Empire State of Mind, Jay-Z, Alicia Keys. That should definitely All be right. number two or number three. I'm going to add that two. John Lennon song, uh, New York City, right there. That should be number three or number or number four, or however way you uh, want to skin the cat there. All right. and yet, We need two more songs you need to throw in the mix, Matt. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. Um, you have to, of course, throw Billy Joel, New York State of Mind. That's also oh, up there. Very good. All right. And last but not least... You know, that's where it starts to get a little dicey. Mm-hmm. But, um, there we go. That's where he falls down on the job. You know folks. what? I'm going to put uh, one of your favorites, Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Oh, all right. All there right. Hey, listen, I'm with you. Okay. Good Good to know. And, well, maybe we can have our next uh, guest chime in. You know, we talked about the heavy stuff regarding Times Square. Let's talk about some light stuff on uh, Times Square Tuesday, even though we're a little disappointed that I don't, I don't think the weather is going to allow us to broadcast live this Thursday. But let's talk to Jean Cooney. She is the Vice President of Arts and Culture for the Times Square Alliance. Welcome to the Author Idala Power Hour, Miss Cooney. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, and I, I hope you got to hear the great Matt Sambolin, uh, the guy who is the magic behind the board. 
uh, talking about our, our top five songs here in the uh, the Idola Power Hour list. Uh, do you approve since you're in charge of arts and culture for Times Square? I I did hear the list. It was illuminating, and I was worried that you were going to start directing the question to me after you guys wrapped up your top five list. Look, the only one I'll add, I'm going to take it to hip-hop and maybe suggest New York State of Mind by Nas, the rapper. Oh, all right, Sambolino. That's a good one. Cue it up, Sambolino. Cue it up. So, Dean Cooney, let me ask you this question. As the Vice President of Arts and Culture for the Times Square Alliance, what exactly is your role on a day-in and day-out basis? I mean, it's Times Square. It's the center of, uh, of the universe in my world. So what is the Vice President of Arts and Culture for the Times Square Alliance? What are your responsibilities? Because they, they have to be huge since the whole world is watching. Yeah, it's a really fun job. Um, and, you know, essentially... I mean, first and foremost, I'm trying to make sure that I'm maintaining and expanding Times Square's legacy as an arts and cultural district. And that takes shape in a number of different ways. We've got live open air programming all summer long. So that just wrapped up um, four to five days a week. We were presenting performance and comedy and DJ sets um, all on our public plazas in Times Square. We also have a really amazing public art program called Times Square Arts. And that is um, primarily commissioning and presenting sculpture and performance and other large-scale works in our public plazas. We also have this incredible program called Midnight Moment that's been running for 10 years. Not a lot of New Yorkers know about it. But so tell us, what's, night, what's Midnight Moment? Yeah, so every single night from 11.57 to midnight, 90 of our iconic billboards uh, synchronized and display an artist's video work. So this started 10 years ago on maybe five of our signs. Now about, like I said, a little over 90 billboards are participating, and it's kind of this, like, monumental, immersive takeover of art. You know, all of these disparate entities that run their boards independently kind of come together and unify in this this big public art takeover. And it's 364 nights Do they display the same thing? Did they say? Did they yeah. display like the same thing at the same time? Yes, um, and it's an artist's three-minute video work. So it's a new artist each month. So each month feels completely different. But every single night of the year, save for New Year's Eve, we have an artwork up on those screens for three minutes in the moment leading up to it, midnight. Is it still art, or are they like little video clips? No, it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's a three-minute video, and the content is a huge range, like. Artists have done things like really beautiful color gradients to more narrative work and animations and nature scenes and flowing waterfalls and digital animation. So it, it's actually amazing how many different ways artists can use this digital space to create distinct works of art. So I have a question that you may or may not be able to answer. Are there any more <laughs> fixed billboards in Times Square or is, is it 100% digital? Meaning like um, analog, like print, like just like just a work, yep, like, just a yep, an old an old fashioned poster. <laughs> um, there are a few, yeah. I mean, because and they still have an amazing presence in Times Square because they're giant. You know, they're, they they right. might have some dancing lights around them to keep up with the rest of the kind of visual uh, motion that's like they're surrounded by with these really um, 
state-of-the-art digital screens. But, yeah, there's a few holdouts for sure. I think they're doing well. And so we're, we're getting into, you know, the, the Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas season now. Is there anything, Gene Cooney, the Vice President of Arts and Culture of the Times Square Alliance, that we want to tell our listeners that they should be looking forward to? Any upcoming shows or, or exhibits in Times Square that you want to uh, push them towards? Well, we just closed out a really major public artwork um, by Charles Gaines in Times Square. The next big sculptural piece we have won't be until February when we do a design competition themed around the notion of love. In between, though, I mean, holidays and, like, the whole fall into winter season is one of the most busy times of year for us in Times Square. In terms of Broadway, you have a new show opening nearly weekly. Um, There's, you know, movie premieres and, and all sorts of really fun activations happening in our plaza daily. Um, but, yeah, we're gearing up for New Year's Eve. That's the biggest event coming up this season. Um, and, and then, of course, is that, have- is, that something that you're, is that something that you're involved in in your capacity as the vice president of arts and culture? I kind of have this cozy position where I get to, like, help out a little. You know, we have a whole team that works on this event um, along with our partners at Jamestown and and other groups within the district that really pull that together for the night of. But I kind of get to, I just kind of get to enjoy it and help out here and there when they need me. So um, besides the the 11.57 to midnight show on a nightly basis, um, is there anything else when we're, uh, someone like myself who's been in Times Square, you know, hundreds of thousands of times now in the course of my life, well, all right, tens of thousands of times, is there anything that, that's there that I probably don't look at that I should be looking at from an arts and culture mm-hmm. point of view? That's a really, that's a really good question. So um, there's a little known permanent artwork in Times Square and it's unmarked. And, again, it's something that not a lot of folks know about. And it's been there since 1977. Um, it's, it's by an artist um, named Max Newhouse. And if you go to the Broadway Pedestrian Plaza between 45th and 46th, closer to 46th, you'll see a subway grate that looks like any other subway grate. But if you stand over it, and if you can catch a more mellow moment in Times Square, you'll hear this humming sound. And it's just almost like the sound of reverberating bells. It has this kind of soothing, strange tone that is just slightly off from the audio audio landscape that is Times Square. And it was just designed to be this very kind of um, uh, this intervention into the cacophony of Times Square that people were allowed to kind of discover or happen upon. The artist never wanted it marked um, and never wanted a label on it. He wanted people to be able to walk to it and kind of have this experience of possibly. All right, well, it's right up the block from me, G. I'm on 45th, so I'll, I'll stroll on up and I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll, I'll open up my ears. Gene Cooney, the Vice President of Arts and Culture for the Times Square Alliance. Thank you for joining us today on Times Square Tuesday on the Author A Dollar Power Hour. Thank you for having me and thank you for hosting Times Square Tuesdays. Thank you, Gene. For over 75 years, the Columbus Citizens Foundation has promoted Italian-American culture and heritage and has provided thousands of scholarships to Italian-American students 
who have academic ability but find themselves in need of financial aid for their education. It is no exaggeration to state that this scholarship program has literally changed the lives of students for generations. But they cannot do it all alone. Help make a difference in someone's life today. To find out how you can help the Columbus Citizens Foundation, visit www.columbuscitizens.org. These talented students inspire us every day. Their leadership, passion, and pride in their heritage is a winning combination. The scholarships offer them a chance to pursue their dreams and contribute to their communities. The Columbus Citizens Foundation showed off their efforts yesterday bringing you the Columbus Day Parade. They do so every year. You can help them bring a quality education to Italian-American students in need by donating today. Visit their site at www.columbuscitizens.org. Coming up at 7 o'clock tonight, it's Radio Night Live, helping you recapture your travel opportunities. Linda Perillo, yeah, sister of that other Perillo guy, uh, she joins us, and we've got big news to talk about. Join us from 7 o'clock on at Radio Night Live tonight on AM 970, The Answer. Want more of AM 970, The Answer, and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news, what's coming up on the radio, thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM 970, The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Are you looking for a career or perhaps a career change for yourself, a family member, or a friend? One that allows you the flexibility to choose where you work, for whom, and how frequently? Where there's a high-powered and lucrative career that you really do need to know about. It's court reporting. Court reporters and captioners are in high demand today. Court systems, schools, and television stations are all looking for these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions to court cases to live events. The NCRA has partnered up with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. Sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Turn on your computer and send them an email now at info at plazacollege.edu. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. All right. Welcome back on this Tuesday evening. Um, let me tell you a little bit about uh, the courtroom, what went on in the courtroom today. Um, I was in court on the case of um, Lauren Pacienza. She's the young woman who's accused of pushing the opera teacher. A lot of people seem to be interested in this case since the media was uh, packed in the courtroom today, although there aren't any really news stories because 
the judge pushed the case over until the beginning of December. Um, it was interesting because the last time we were in court, the judge said we we're going to start trial on October 6th. Um, then we pushed it over a week. Uh, I knew that that was not going to be a realistic date. So um, I wasn't too concerned about a starting trial. I mean, the typical um, case regarding something so serious from um, <clears throat> the beginning, I mean, I mean, when I say something so serious, like a, a murder case, attempted murder case, a rape in the first degree case, the rule of thumb is it takes about a year from arrest to trial and or resolution. Now, that is not a scientific number, but it is based on 30 years of, of me doing this. And yes, the system has changed and is not as crowded as it used to be. Um, but it's still that's that's about a, a, a ballpark figure. Yes, sometimes it's nine months and sometimes it's it's much longer than a year, especially because of uh, the delays regarding uh, covid I mean, my buddy is trying a case right now that I believe that the uh, assault took place in 2018 and we're at the end here of 2022. Uh, so the, the, the case went on today and basically was adjourned for some legal reasons from some more investigation, some more discovery um, until the beginning of December. There were, um, uh, there, as I said, there was a lot of media there, but you know what took place is that my client wasn't there now. It's not that she was going to get in trouble for not being there. Um, she's incarcerated, uh, and they didn't produce her, which just gives you an idea of the difficulties in running a system that we do. Like, why isn't she there? The, they have known about this case since early September. I think it was on right, right after Labor Day. Um, I don't know if it's not enough manpower or woman power, uh, the buses, etc. There's, there's, but there was, so what I did was called I waived my client's appearance. So there are some times when I really want my client to be there, and I want them to hear what's going on and let them know what's going on. But today I knew it was just going to be a pretty routine adjournment, and uh, also they love to take photographs of her um, in the courtroom. And that's really not a pleasant experience for anybody. Uh, well, I guess it is for the photographers who are doing their job, but not for me or, or my client. So I, I waived the appearance as a judge. We could call the case without her being here, and then I'll fill her in later on. Um, you know, there's always pressure when these cases are on. There's always a, you want to be prepared. I mean, there wasn't that much for me to be prepared for. Of course, the judge did ask me some questions at the very, very end that I had to think on my feet about. But I am... Um, I think I pulled it off. Uh, in my law office right now, I, we just had a, a visitor, a friend, and she's like, my God, Arthur, it's so quiet. Um, that's because uh, Mike and John are on trial on a civil case in Nassau County. Imran and uh, Lino are on trial on a civil case, I want to say in Queens County. Um, Judge Kamen's left to go to an ends of court, which is like where all these judges sit around and talk about how to make the court system better and talk about the history of the court. Um, so he was out at that. Um, so it was kind of Diana, who's actually sitting in the office two doors down from me, and she's working on the Harvey Weinstein appeal, which is um, he's he started trial today uh, in Los Angeles, but he still has his appeal here in New York. Uh, those papers are due on December the 1st, which is my birthday. We'll have a party on the air. Um, and so she's in there kind of with her door closed and her head down. She was she was 
working from home Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which I encourage her to do because, you know, when you work on an appeal, uh, it is a very cerebral type of exercise. And, you know, someone said to me, well, you already wrote the appeal that went to the appellate division. So don't you just take that appeal and kind of dust it off and clean it up a little bit and then just bring it up to the next highest court, the Court of Appeals of the state of New York and just resubmit it? The problem with that is we gave the original appeal and argued in the appellate division and they rejected it. Uh, Now, the Court of Appeals said, well, we see some issues there that at least need to be addressed. You don't know which way they're going to address it. The Court of Appeals is the highest court of the state of New York. Sometimes they just want to clarify things. They want to make law. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be in your client's uh, interest. But the judge there, Janet DeFiori, who was the chief judge who just resigned, uh, not known as being the friend of the defense, she's the one who said there are some issues here that have to be addressed. So we don't just take our original appeal and dust it off and resubmit it because the appellate division wrote, I believe it's a 63-page decision saying why the errors that the trial judge made uh, don't rise to the level that Mr. Weinstein uh, requires a reversal. Um, So you need to, we need to take the original brief, highlight the best parts of it, but we need to rebut what the uh, the appellate division judges have said, which is, well, that wasn't that bad. Well, he made this mistake, but it doesn't rise to the level of requiring a whole new trial. And we need to basically combat what the appellate division says, as well as what um, our adversaries, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, said in their brief. And uh, so it's, believe me, I, I do give my colleague, my partner, my friend, Diana Fabi Sampson, a hard time uh, because it does take time to do these appeals. Um, but I'm very well aware that it's not an easy thing to do and how hard uh, she has to work to really make it. Uh, it's look at someone's life on the line, whether you think Harvey's the worst guy in the world or the best guy in the world or somewhere in the middle, or you think he is where he deserves or he got a horrible trial and he got a bum, a bum rep um, from our point of view. We need to do the best job we possibly can. And it is a group effort. Yes, Diana will write the first the first draft, but then everyone will get involved. I'll be involved. My father will be involved. Judge Cammons will be involved. Judge Leventhal. Everyone. Basically, the whole firm will read it. I mean, you can't put too many cooks in the kitchen. But um, I seem to be the one who reads it for all the grammatical errors and the, the typos. And sometimes I like to suggest moving an argument maybe a little further in the, in the front of the brief or behind. Justice Scalia always told me, you know, you want to just lead with your strongest. Lead, don't save the best for last. Lead with the best. You know, try to uh, get into a judge's brain as early as possible, whether it's in the written brief or in the oral argument. Um, and just to give you guys an idea, we submit our, our brief in December I believe the prosecutor has to retort uh, in early, early February, either late, late January, early, early February. Then we'll have two weeks to uh, reply to their response. And then the the Court of Appeals will set the case down for oral argument, which takes place in uh, the Court of Appeals in Albany, where you're before seven judges all at the same time. So I 
you know, intimidating environment. You don't get to go there often because they take few cases. It's like the Supreme Court of the United States of America. When you lose a case in federal court, you automatically get to go to the Second Circuit. Well, here, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. You were granted that by right. But then the next step up is to go to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Uh, The justices, the four of them, have to grant you that right. And they do so in less and less cases every year. So I'm giving you a little idea of what's going on in the courtroom, what's going on in the law firm. Um, We're going to – I do want to talk a little bit about uh, yesterday, about Columbus Day and and what that was like. And, you know, we'll we'll have a couple of minutes at the end of the show to talk about Columbus. I don't want to shove it down your throat too much, although I am leaving here to go to Gracie Mansion where uh, the mayor of the city of New York is hosting an Italian-American night slash Columbus night, although it's called, I think it's called Italian Heritage Day. Uh, So I'm pretty excited about that. It's usually a good time. Uh, I got to hang out with the mayor a little bit yesterday at the parade and thanked him for being on the show and told him how many compliments we got from very significant people here in the city of New York who listened to the interview and complimented the he and I. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. That's all right. I was so lucky to spend some time this weekend out at my house out in eastern Long Island. And when I look at it and I take a walk, look around and I walk around the house, I'm like, wow, the house looks great. Do you know why it looks great? Because of my friend Susan from Rhino Shield. If you're considering painting your home, do not, I repeat, do not paint until you speak with Susan at Rhino Shield. Now more than ever, protect your greatest investment, which is your home. Rhino Shield is a ceramic coating that is sprayed onto your home and looks just like paint, but is 10 times thicker than paint. Rhino Shield guarantees your house will look as if it was freshly painted with an amazing 25-year transferable warranty against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. When was the last time a painter gave you a 25-year warranty? You will never have to consider painting again. Rhino Shield will increase the resale value of your home because it lowers your energy costs. It holds the hot air in during the wintertime and the cool air in during the summertime. Susan is offering no payments, no interest financing for one year. That along with her strongest discount yet, 20% off for anyone who requests a free A free quote by October the 31st. Call today and lock in your 20% discount. Call Susan at 877-744-6608. That's 877-744-6608. Or go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-27. So I know it's hard to believe, but the holidays will be here before we know it. Why not make them truly memorable this year on board the Atlantis yacht with New York Cruises? Captain Fred and the amazing New York Cruises staff go above and beyond with every detail. Whether you've been put in charge of planning the office Christmas party 
or are looking to do something exciting for New Year's Eve, why not take the party off land and onto the sea? It's the best place for a 360-degree view of the New Year's Eve fireworks. Speaking of New Year's, I can't think of a better place to pop the question to that special someone in your life than on the Atlantis. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events, weddings, engagement and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, you name it. So just call 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today or visit NewYorkCruises.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. birthday, all the notes, 76 years old, as opposed to Cardi B, 30 years old, Luke Perry, 52, Artie Lang, 55, and today is National Coming Out Day, God bless, it's also National Sausage Pizza Day, <laughs> who, Samlino, who makes up these days, like, where do we get these from? I'm assuming they, you know, sauce, National Sausage Pizza Day, I, I'm assuming that's probably Domino's came up with that one. All right, who comes up with National Spread Joy Day? Uh, that one, you got me on that one. All right, all right. Let's talk about today in 2003, Mojo Magazine readers voted the studio session for Elvis Presley's debut single, That's All Right, the most pivotal moment in rock history which is kind of interesting because we had Bill O'Reilly on it a week ago last night, and uh, he talked about how important uh, Elvis was and how he basically changed society. Um, Bob Dylan's switch from acoustic to electric guitars in 1965 came second, and White Riot, the debut single by The Clash, released in 1977, was voted third. The thing is this. Cymbalino, you can't. The fact that they don't have the Beatles in here is just, you know, uh, lose a little credibility in that. I, I don't know who the readers are of Mojo Magazine. Yeah, Mojo. <laughs> Mojo. This is Cymbalino with Mojo Magazine. Um, let me talk a little bit about uh, yesterday. Uh, what a glorious weather day it was. My God, the Christopher Columbus gods were shining down upon us. And. Um, Again, I'm, I'm not going to shove this down anybody's throat, but the bottom, bottom line is uh, Christopher Columbus did some great, great things and some some really bad things. I mean, look, the guy did get locked up, <laughs> but if you want to look at someone like Richard Nixon, who uh, in the, I think, in the decade of the 70s was like looked at as a horrible president as time. And, you know, the guy had to resign in disgrace, breaking the law. 
and being pardoned. As time has gone on, if you look at all of these polls and, and how history has judged him, his ratings have gone up and up and up. And you could say, well, you know, if Christopher Columbus hadn't done it, another uh, discoverer, another explorer would have done it. And that's probably true. But you could say that about, uh, you know, almost uh, about many, many things. Well, if he didn't do it, the next guy was going to do it or the next girl was going to do it, woman was going to do it. Um, but he did it. And, you know, I saw someone wrote, well, he was a psychopath. He very well may have been a psychopath. And that's what gave him the courage uh, and the bravery to go set sail with, like, you know, with equipment that uh, was not exactly like now. They have the, all these boats have these little joysticks and you can make the ship do anything you want and you can put it on auto cruise and autopilot and you know what the weather's going to be a, a week in advance. You know, you got to wrap your brain around what he did. And, you know, you could dig deeper. You don't have to listen to me. Uh, again, he, he did some, apparently, even according to the times he lived in, he did some really bad things. Uh, but, you know, he took, and I didn't know this until recently, he basically opened up the passage between uh, the, the Europe and, and the Americas, South America, Central America, in terms of farming and agriculture and, and animals. And there's there so many things that didn't exist in Europe uh, that he brought over and vice versa. And I, you know, I know um, people like, well, you look what he did to the indigenous people. You know, there were some indigenous people that they, they weren't the nicest people in the whole world, by the way. Um, and they were say, uh, you know, there's that expression, kill or be killed. I am sure uh, Christopher Columbus and those around him were, were confronted with that. So, you know, do I think uh, we did this with Bill O'Reilly? Uh, you know, you want to look at Thomas Jefferson. You want to look at George Washington. You want to look at Abraham Lincoln, all people who we think very highly of. Um, all far from perfect. Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, you know, people, uh, John Lennon, right? John Lennon does an interview shortly before he died, how he would beat women or he beat a woman or whatever it was. That does, does that wipe out that the guy was a, was a musical genius and, and turn, uh, turn the tides of music forever. It doesn't. So, uh, besides it now becoming an Italian American heritage day, Columbus, the guy in and of itself was, he, he did some pretty, pretty uh, cool stuff, unique things that no one else had done. Yes. I mean, in Bay Ridge, we have the Leif Erikson Day Parade and, you know, America Vespucci was a tremendous uh, explorer as well. But 500 plus years later, Columbus was the one who got the um, who got the credit and um, he kind of deserves to. To get some of this credit, I, again, I'm not saying we need to bury our head in the sand, um, but we have to um, acknowledge that Columbus was a special guy. And that's been acknowledged for over 100 years. Uh, you know, the D Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. Uh, I mean, the, the word Columbus and Columbia are omnipresent. They're all over the place. And for us to cancel them, I mean, I'm just going to tie it into... Uh, two district, two federal judges have said they're not going to hire Yale law students, Yale graduates, because they're seeing this trend at Yale Law School to cancel people. And they think that the only way that maybe that culture, that cancel culture that's going on, on Yale, at Yale campuses to change that 
will is if there are real ramifications and the ramifications are look we're not going to cancel you except if you keep canceling people so if you're not going to let the lawyer who represented the baker who uh, refused to cook to to bake the cake for the gay wedding that lawyer apparently went to speak on campus and got booed off the stage um merely because i i think it was a woman she was making her point so these judges, there are two judges right now, and they're from different parts of the country, saying, look, that's fine. If that's the culture you want to have at Yale, I'm not going to put you in my chambers. And look, it's very prestigious to clerk for a, um, a federal court judge. It's a springboard to great things in the law. But, you know, the way people want to cancel Columbus, and I will tell you, yesterday at the parade, there was none of that. There was tremendous amount of pride. Uh, the governor was there. The mayor was there. Uh, the comptroller was there this, of the state of New York. Um, I noticed the city comptroller wasn't there. He's probably part of that cancel culture uh, community. But uh, And Joe Piscopo was fantastic, uh, as he always is. And so was Maria Bartiromo and Ken Rosado. Uh, you know, it's on Channel 7. We we ended the whole afternoon by singing New York, New York. No one got treated like a rock star more than Rudolph Giuliani. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, his son Andrew got a lot of applause, but Rudy was swarmed with everyone. Oh, you're the best mayor ever. You're the best mayor ever. But, you know, uh, Eric Adams on this show on Thursday said he was going to march. Not only did he march, he marched the whole parade from 42nd Street all the way till it ended on 70th Street. And he shook hands, and he was a real uh, mensch. And uh, as a, using a Sicilian word, and uh, I'm on my way to go to Gracie Mansion right now where he's having an Amer- Italian-American heritage uh, event. So good for him. Columbus is here to stay. He should be here to stay. I know he, he's being canceled all around the country, but we're going to keep fighting to make sure that someone who did some really bad things but some unbelievable things that changed society, the world, forever is acknowledged. Have a great night, folks. See you tomorrow. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.